another edition of Baseball and Beyond, presented by Masses Restaurants, five locations in St. Louis. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But a man who probably has had his fair share of Masses, a St. Louisan. I wanted to say a former St. Louisan, but you're always a St. Louisan, right? Greg Amsinger of MLB Network. Are you a former St. Louisan or are you a St. Louisan? That's my first question. Oh, Brad, I am a hardcore St. Louisan. And I, it's hard to answer a question like that knowing that I haven't lived in St. Louis since uh, 2001, so 17 years I have not lived in St. Louis. But when anyone asks me, uh, you know, hey, where are you from? I don't say Montclair, New Jersey, where my house is. I, I say, oh, I'm from St. Louis. And when I'm here in the Northeast, you're like, what, are you here on work or business or do you commute to do your show? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm always from St. Louis. That's my hometown. And try to make it back as much as possible. I, I do a terrible job of that. But uh, I, I need to come back more often. It's my favorite town. I like the story. This is my the first story that we'll do. But you say that. I, I am more envious that you get to say that you're from St. Louis but haven't lived here for 17 years. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> I had. Well, everybody wants what they can't have, Brad. Right? Isn't yes. that right? Right. Yeah, I want your job. <laughs> that's, that's the coolest <laughs> job ever. Uh, the one story I was going to tell, though, is I, like back in my 20s when I'd hang out with my buddies, one of them moved to Denver and one of them moved to Las Vegas, and they'd literally only been there six months. And so we're talking to these girls, and they're like, where are you from? And I go, I'm from St. Louis. The one guy goes, well, I'm from Denver. And I go, what? You're not. Because <laughs> <laughs> he thinks he sounds more interesting. Yeah, right. I just, you know? Well, I, I ruined the whole game right there. I'm like, you're not from Denver? But anyway. Right. And now she can't believe what he says. <laughs> yeah, you are not a good wingman, Brad. No. At that moment, maybe you've improved over the years, but you are not helping your buddy whatsoever by giving that brutal honesty. I, it's weird. I, I look at my St. Louis ties as a badge of honor. You know, I, I work with guys that, that graduated from Harvard and Princeton. I have researchers that give me nuggets that are Ivy League graduates. Uh, my uh, coordinating producer, this brilliant guy, Rich Chin- Chinchimino, who was my producer at the beginning stages of MLB Tonight, um, went to Columbia University. And for a long time, people were like, did you make up your college? Was that like an online college, Lindenwood University? Because here in the Northeast, not many people have ever heard of it. Uh, but I wear it as a badge of honor. I'm proud uh, that I came from Lindenwood, what it looks like now, and, and St. Charles, Missouri. I went to St. Charles High. It's hilarious. I've done interviews in St. Louis at other radio stations, people that don't know me personally, but because of my St. Louis ties, they want me on the show. And this has happened three times, Brad. I've been introduced as a graduate of Duchenne High School, which is the nice private school in St. Charles. And I'm like, whoa, 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 no. No, I, I, I to start the interview awkwardly, I actually went to St. Charles High School. And they're like, oh, <laughs> I promise you, that's where I went. We want, so, wait, we, I, we want Fran Charles instead. Uh, thank you, Greg. <laughs> take, a, take, take, a, take a seat. <laughs> right. Fran's like Stanford. And he's like, brilliant. Get it. Totally get it. I went to St. Charles County Community College out of high school. And a lot of people don't know that. I had no idea what I was going to do. Right. My, no one in my family ever went to college. My dad worked in a factory. I thought I was going to work in a factory. And then I, um, I took a speech class at St. Charles High, changed my life. I did some acting. And uh, one of the professors said, hey, you should speak at high school graduation. So I was like, okay. So I tried out. You to try out. And here a C student, Greg Amsinger, gets to speak at high school graduation. And obviously it was like a song and dance, funny, funny, everybody laughed. But the professor that was going to introduce all of the students, she asked me, where are you going to college next year? And I, that was the first person that ever asked me that. 
like minutes before my high school graduation. That's funny. I I was like, uh, I don't know. She goes, you don't know. Well, I'm going to write down St. Charles County Community College. And I was like, okay, so that's where I went because she said that. So I went there for a semester and then cleaned up my academic act and uh, got into Littlewood and the rest was history. See, and here's how our careers paths changed. So I went to Merrimack. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm a three years younger than you, it looks like, by reading uh, the old Wikipedia page. And then I went to Webster University, which, again, would be if, if I ended up at MLB Network, Webster University. Is that uh, Emmanuel Lewis? Did he create that? What is that? Is that something? But uh, right. it's funny that I got to work at Fox for a long time, as I like to brag about myself here on my own podcast. <laughs> That's what we do in this business. We love to talk about ourselves. Well, you know, it's it's funny because like I started reading about how freelancers, if you like, if you're on Facebook and Twitter, which you're not, right? You're not a Twitter guy. No, right? I've never been on any social media platform whatsoever. But it's like that's where you have to literally market yourself. Is a hey, look where I'm at. I'm because I, I do now. We're colleagues, as I told some friends of mine. Not me and Greg are colleagues. I work at MLB Network ten times a year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll show, hey, here I am at Wrigley Field working Cardinals-Cubs, everybody. You know, you have to say that. But it's funny, too, the Lindenwood thing. I'm in a fantasy baseball league with all Lindenwood guys, which I think some of them you even probably went to school with. They're, I think they're uh, they're younger than you, but it's funny how those – but they, uh, they, they'll be very excited that we're having this chat. I know one of them is Tim Trokey. I don't know if you know a Tim uh, Trokey. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. You know what's amazing to me is I hear um, – so many of my buddies I chat with, uh, they'll meet people, and every, there are people that'll have a Greg Amsinger story. Some of them aren't true at all, but they're h- highly entertaining. And I don't want to debunk any of the ones that I've heard that are not true because, man, I, to have people walk around thinking I did some of these things is, it, to me, I, I, what a feather in the cap. Let them keep thinking this, but I really wasn't that great. But let them keep thinking I was because it's, to me, a great little tale. Yeah, I'm gonna. We're gonna talk about your career uh, again here later. But I actually just want to get into some of the MLB Network stuff. And I this was a question from the great Tim Trokey, one of my one of my best friends here in St. Louis. And he, I like this question, and I like because I thought about it. But I, as I started thinking more about it, you're doing 15 games a night. You're on the set. So Greg, obviously, you should know this if you're listening to this. Is the host of MLB Tonight most nights during the week. Uh, and there's 15 games going on, and you guys just whip around to each game. And you could be going to Seattle versus Anaheim, and they've got a left-handed reliever in there, and you guys have to know who's at bat. I'm assuming. How do you keep all that straight? Is that someone whispering in your ear? I mean, how much research? And I always said when I started playing fantasy baseball because I just thought I'm, I'm doing baseball every day. I can't. I can't do this. But that helped me more than anything or DraftKings when I started having to look at numbers and trying to figure out I'm like man if I ever worked an MLB network this is what I do I play DraftKings and I'm not trying to throw a sponsor out there but you it literally helps you keep track of every player every day so how does it work for you guys uh well it's weird I I love talking about players uh, I love that more than just about any other aspect of my job. I, I love getting to know who are they. So if there's a new kid when Reese Hoskins comes up and debuts, I have to read everything there is about it. I, I'm obsessed with these new players that come on and make a major splash. The thing that gives me confidence in, in what I do, because, yeah, there's nothing scripted in my show. I'm on for three hours, and it really is this crazy live jigsaw puzzle that has to be put together well. And sometimes you're going to bend the pieces. You can't, you just got to realize that you're going to mess up sometimes. Big deal. I love that it's a one-off. And what that means, if you're listening to this, you know what that means. It's not taped and re-airs. 
because there's nothing worse than a tape show that re-airs. <laughs> you host one of those shows, if you stutter, they'll go, let's do that again in your seven minutes into a segment, and everybody looks at you like they want to slap you in the face. It's the worst. So the beauty of the show, it's a one-off. It's three hours. It does not re-air. So you just roll with the punches. But part of the reason why I have the confidence that I have to host a show like this, uh, A, I love the game. So I'm an insane fan of baseball, which it doesn't feel like work to be well-read. Uh, speaking of being well read, we have an amazing research department. Some of those Ivy League guys I was talking about work in our research department. And every day we get this thick research packet that has, you know, news and notes of every game, all the matchups every single day. So that is a blessing to say the least. So I read and I read all of the entire research packet. What I'll do is while I'm reading, I come up with segment ideas and, um, you know, little elements that can go into our show. Then we go to our production meeting and our production staff at MLB network is, is just top notch. And I would not be where I am today without people behind the scenes who I believe are the best in the business. And I know you'll have people on this show and this podcast that say that all the time, but it's so much live TV that if you're, if you don't get great at it, you're out. We don't, we can't have room for good. We need people that are great because this isn't a one hour show. I mean, I watched part of the interruption. I'm like, I can't imagine doing that job five days a week and calling that work. Like sitting there with your buddy on TV, you spar back and forth for an hour and you leave like, Oh my goodness. Right. Mm-hmm. Three hours till one o'clock in the morning Eastern. And I've got a, an amazing researcher who is like my binky. His name is Matt Baker. He's genius. He's a rain man kind of kid. And he's my safety net. So I can go anywhere that I want to go. And if I pause and maybe I don't know the new left-hander's name that just got called up today, he is in the control room looking at my face along with the director and a coordinating producer is the boss of the show, the line producer, right? The graphics production staff upstairs. And they're all looking and they can tell if I don't know because they can see my face. You at home can't because you're watching the young left-hander come into the game. And then he jumps in my ear and he's like, you know, his name is Craig Hamstinger. Oh, okay. And then, I, and then I roll with it, but you never at home know uh, that I didn't know for a split second. Um, but look, it's not that hard for me because I love the game. It's it, 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 If you're a fan, it's a dream job. And I, I remind myself of that every single day, Brad. While the hours can be long and it's a unique schedule, it's a bucket list opportunity for so many you know men and women to go sit next to Harold Reynolds and Pedro Martinez or John Smoltz and Al Leiter. You know, the opportunity to do shows with these guys is something I don't take for granted. What, so, you know, I had MLB Network, I think, fairly early on because it wasn't available at all times. But I obviously, honestly didn't see you on CBS Sports where you kind of got your your first big break. But did you always have this this style of uh, just being able just to be a fan? I call you a fan on the set, and I just think I hate you know I hate doing this to my guests, but I just think you're the best at what you do. I think I just think you can tell you love the game, but you don't have the hi everybody and welcome to baseball MLB tonight. Right, and I just Thanks, feel like man. it's it's it seems like that the people up there obviously understand that your love and your passion comes across, and people love that. And I think you see it with everybody that's on there. Vescursion is the same way. And, and like we said, mm-hmm. Fran and, and um, Servino, all the guys. I think it's just, a, it, you know, I, I get crazy about this network. I love, the, I love baseball. And then I get the chance to, do, like I said, 10 times a year get to work with some of these people. But just tell me, did that, 
Was that how you start? I mean, did they, was that what you were doing at CBS, that sort of that style? And you just said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to show the excitement because it, it's not, you do not anchor a show like many anchors do. Yeah, it's, it starts back when um, I was told with a, a year into my two-year contract at CSTV, College Sports Television. So I moved to New York at the age of 24, to this big break, a new startup national network not big but you know it was to me it was coast to coast and i thought that was awesome coming out of Terre Haute, indiana where i started my career and i i got pulled aside and there were two anchors uh that started the network it was me and adam zucker who is thriving on cbs sports now as the host of sec football and does college basketball for cbs and they said look greg um we're gonna have to let you go we're not gonna pick up your option and I was like so bummed out because I would get to work six hours before a show. I'd write all my scripts. I was buttoned up. And then it ended up becoming what I always thought was awful about SportsCenter was who's more clever, this host or that host? And it just became this weird ping pong match that had nothing to do with the viewers at home watching. And it's why I, I just couldn't watch SportsCenter anymore. You had, you had two hosts that were trying to one up the other. And I fell into that trap. And Adam Zucker is insanely clever. He's a better writer than I, I ever was. And he was thriving, and I was not. So they told me, look, we're going to let you go. You got about you know a month and a half left when your deal's up. And I was like, okay. And I go back home, and here I am. I'm 25. I got a baby, and I got my wife. And I go, hey, we're not going to make it. So I give all the credit to my wife, Erica, who was in the business. She worked with me in our uh, startup uh, station in Terre Haute. She sat me down and she's like, look, so what are you going to do for the next month and a half? Are you going to go and grind and overthink everything? Or are you going to kind of worry about your demo tape that you're going to send out to other stations? What kind of broadcaster do you want to be at these other stations? Because the next month and a half, someone's going to hire you based on the way you are. And I was like, what a great idea. So screw all of this script writing and showing up way early and no one's patting you on the back in this business, man. I like it. You know, Le- it less work, better performance. I always say work smarter. More. Work smarter, it's not so harder, bad. Greg. This is this is what I teach out there to the kids of America. Work yes. smarter, not harder. Thank it's you. exactly the way it works, man. <laughs> Walk in with a better personality, a better like zest for life. You know, don't be like spent by the time you get on the air. So I would stroll in now minutes before my call time. Obviously, the network thought I was mailing it in because I was going to lose my job. And then I wouldn't write a single script, Brad. <laughs> I would host hour, two-hour shows at Adam Zucker. And Zucker's like, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, I'm good. I'm good. And this is, we're, listen, we're talking. We're not talking baseball anymore. I'm talking college volleyball. I'm talking about the NCAA Division II Women's Lacrosse National Championship game. I'm talking about, you know, wrestling. Okay, these are all college sports. I, I'm like, I'm going to wing it. I, I, I was well-read. I did my homework the night before. I'm good. And I would go, and I would just ad-lib. And, oh, my goodness, it changed my career. It just did. I would give my opinion, and so I got some pushback on it. And then out of nowhere, we get a new executive that gets hired in a month. And he goes, hey, um, I'm thinking about starting a new show. And I'd like for you to audition for it. I go, wait a minute. So I have a a job that I'm about to get let go of, but you're going to let me audition for a new show on a network that I hope to be brought back to. And he's basically like, yeah, his name was Michael Rosen. Starts a new show called The One College Sports Show. They audition a bunch of women, and the one that stood out from the crowd, it wasn't even close, ended up being my co-host for the next three and a half years, and that was Michelle Beadle. 
and Michelle Beadle and I together on television, it was awesome. And so what we ended up doing was like, um, you know, uh, Kelly and well, now it's Kelly and Ryan, but back when I was growing up, it was Kelly and Regis. So it was like Kelly and Regis on a couch, like talking about college sports. And we would like, we were like the main anchors of the network doing the show and no one really saw it. But man, I got to tell you, it was good. And our side anchor was Adam Zucker. He would do like highlights. And then our update anchor was uh, Catherine Tappan. And no one ever saw the show. If these four anchors on the show, they're all young and starting their career. And the show kind of started because of my new and my new age conversational opinion based approach to sports casting because I thought I was going to lose my job. And it started this whole new wave at the network, and CBS bought the network, and Tony Petiti renamed the network CBS Sports Network. Then he left to be the CEO of the new MLB Network startup, and he took me with him because he knew what the format was going to be. He knew I was from St. Louis and I loved baseball, but I think he liked the fact that I wasn't a cookie-cutter broadcaster. And, you know, I remember working at KMOX Radio, and I don't want to be long-winded, but McGraw-Millhaven at the time worked at KMOX, and I think McGraw is a super talent. And I told him, hey, I got a job out of college at a CBS TV station in Terre Haute, Indiana. Do you have any advice? And his advice was something I'll never forget, and I told I tell every single young broadcaster this. His advice was, assume you're going to fail, but there will be video evidence that you were on TV. So when people watch these old clips of you, make sure it's something that you're at least proud of. I go, wait a minute, what does that mean? And he goes, you're going to have a million people who are going to tell you how to be on TV or how to be on the radio. But if you assume you're going to fail anyway, do you really want to go down doing it all of their way? Why not do it yours? Do it your own. And I was like, unbelievable. That advice came back and hit me in the face when I was talking to my wife when she was like, just, you know, you got to do it a different way. This is the way I want to be on TV. And I got to tell you, we've hired different producers and CPs along the way that came over from ESPN that have walked into my office after I've been on MLB Network for four or five years. And they'll go, just so you know, um, people at home don't want your opinion. And I'm like, just so you know, you just walked into my office and you pissed me off. Can you walk out? Because I, I don't want you in here anymore. Um, this is how I'm going to do my job. And if, if someday they have an epiphany and they don't want me to do it this way, please let me go because I'll find someone who will let me talk on TV. That's the way I look at it. Where were you a couple years ago when I needed uh, some some people to be talked to like that? I didn't, I didn't get the chance to – because <laughs> I got pissed off daily, and I just decided that the grind of baseball just it really did get to me. So it was, uh, you know, but that's a that's a great story, and I, I, you know, I don't care if that was long winded. I think it was awesome. So thank you, man. I just don't want to uh, worry about entertaining the masses because there is always a group within the masses that think you suck. So I'm just gonna entertain myself. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you I love it. You've made it. That's I mean, you, if you can say that at your age, that's pretty awesome. Um, I do want to talk about MLB Network a little more, but uh, let's just talk to Cardinals here. Let, let's get into this. What's going on? I mean, I'm I'm this is I have my own show, and, and it really all it is is me me walking around from people's desks or texting my friends, and this is what I say in my show. But this is my my new Cardinal epiphany that I've come up with in the last month, and it's I remember in 2000 and in 2005 and even 2010. 
and it probably stopped around 2011, coincidentally, when LaRusa left, that they would go to spring training and everyone said, yeah, we're, we're here to win the World Series. We're here to win a world championship. You know, we're not going to be satisfied just going to the playoffs. And they believed it. You had a Chris Carpenter and an Albert Pujols and then a Lance Berkman later, and and they all believed it. And now the the buzzwords I hear from these people, yeah, we want to be competitive. You know, if we can win, we can win 90 games with this team. And that's... I think what bothers me more than anything is they don't, they're not the hunted anymore. They're hunting the Cubs. It looks like they're hunting the Brewers. And I don't understand why this, this changed, this model has changed. So that's my little soliloquy and being long winded, but what, what's going on? What do, what do you see? And what, what do you think of what I've uh, just brought up? Well, what, what's going on is Brad, you live in the most beautiful baseball bubble in the world. <laughs> and because you live in a place where, you know, 90 win expectations make you semi upset. What you don't realize and all of your friends don't realize is how blessed you actually are. What I would love. For oh, stop it. Am singer. We, you know, we haven't, right we haven't been in the playoffs in two years and that's two years too long. Exactly. So what I would love for you guys to do is trade in your Cardinal binky, your Cardinal underwear, your Cardinal tube socks. And I want you to just for one year only, you know, some people like go hike through the mountains for a year and smoke a lot of weed and find themselves They like spend a year like off the grid. Have you ever heard of people doing this? Like after college, they a year for themselves kind of thing. I have a well, friend who's been doing that for 20 years, by the way. <laughs> He's still doing it. I just, just thinking about my buddy. I won't say his name, but my buddy, uh, I used to call him Squirt. He's still doing that. <laughs> He's still doing it, right? He's yeah. still finding himself. So what I, what, what I invite fans like you and other Cardinal fans that are disgruntled with where the team is at this moment in time, I, I want you to go on a little backpacking tour, but you don't need to hike. Just get on a plane, and I want you to spend one year as a Marlin fan. And I want this year to be the year where you're a Marlin fan. I want you to get season tickets. I want you to go to a Marlins game. And if not the Marlins, try the Tampa Bay Rays or try the Oakland A's. Like, just go be a fan of one of those clubs for a but, year. But I'm not. And then come God, back. Great. God, God, God. Do, Brad, God put me on earth to appreciate. <laughs> appreciate it. God put me the on this earth. I'm in my Cardinal sweatshirt right now. You can't see me because you won't FaceTime, which is great. I love that you won't do that. But I, I just, I'm here as a, I'm a, my God made me a Cardinal fan. And we're, we are, you know, I always feel like this, and I'm, I'm serious about this. Like, we have the cachet to be this angry because that's what the ownership has brought to us. And that's what the Yankees bring to their fan base. And it's what the Packers bring to their fan base. So when I start hearing that a different message, I feel like I should be able to be angry when I hear that we need a closer and we need a bat and we need a starting pitcher. And then they come back with a guy from Japan, uh, Luke Gregerson, who wasn't even really part of the Astros World Series run. And then Ozuna is a great move. Th- this is where I'm like, all right, you got the pitcher, you got the, the closer, and you got the bat. All right, we need another three of those. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, this is where I, no, and I feel like that's yeah. why I can kind of be this way because this is what they ha- they they tout. 26, 27 worlds or 27 playoff appearances, 11 world championships. You see the flags. They, they, they put it in your face at all times, especially for teams that come in. So I, I want to be that way. I want to brag about this team. And I want my, I want my ownership to brag about them too. And I, I don't feel like, I, I just feel like there's some sort of disconnect there where, and I feel like it came with Tony. Like this is my last, again, soliloquy. When LaRusso was here, he's like, you know, we need Matt Holiday. 
And they're like, well, that's going to be tough. He's like, well, here's Joe Thurston and Rico Washington to play for the next week. Until you get me Matt Holiday, I'm going to play who you gave me. And look, they got Matt Holiday. You know, they got, they, Tony ruled. And I, I know people had their things with Tony, but I just feel like once he left, there was a different stigma on this team. And I feel like, I remember sitting at Wrigley during the 25, and I was there for the 2015 NLDS, and I, and I just, I said, man, as soon as Schwarber hit that home run, I'm like, this is what it feels like when a window closes on a great run. And it, it just felt like the Cubs are going to make this run, and the Cardinals are going in the backseat. Sorry for, well, for, for okay, yelling. Okay. See, and I understand where you're coming from. We should do this every it. week, me and you. Uh, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> I need to remind you, Brad, they went to the World Series two years after Tony LaRusso stepped down. They that was still Tony's players. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a college football player. And they won 100. I know. They had 100 wins in 15 as well, which I call the most boring 100-win team I've ever seen. And that's when you can yell at me. <laughs> okay. that, that, that sounds like a typical Cardinal no, fan. There's right? where yeah, you can yell. 100 wins made you happy. There are a couple things that happened here, okay? Um, the Cubs dismantled their organization to rebuild – with the young players and the young core that they have, kudos to them. They, they picked the right young players. Uh, kudos to the Astros. They picked the right young players. But what the Cardinals never did, and the Cardinals have never done really, um, they've never made the, the actual product on the field an embarrassing one for the fan base. They've never done that. They've never intentionally got rid of everyone. Dal Maxville didn't want to spend any money when he was the GM back in the 80s and the 90s. And Whitey Herzog still figured out a way to win. In the 90s, it was kind of thin. So I bring up the 80s and the 90s for the Cardinals because it was thin times in terms of, I know the 80s with the 85 or 82, 85, 87. Those payrolls were not ridiculous compared to other big market teams. This is a, a city called St. Louis, Missouri. And it is not a major market in, in terms of like money, profit, revenues, all that stuff. They're making money because of Cardinal Village now hand over fist. But when you look at Dodgers, when you look at the Yankees, when you look at even the Chicago Cubs, when they start their own network, the amount of money they're going to be rolling in, they know this. But what they, what the Cardinals never did and ownership never allowed to happen is they never, ever, ever stopped the balance of spending smart money, which is a la Lance Berkman, Carlos Beltran, not long term, but guys that you knew could still produce. And if I pick as a fan, which team I want to give the next 50 years of my fandom to a team like the Cubs or the Cardinals, just based on how they operate to get to the level of success they get to. Give me the Cardinals, because that is a constant winner. The Cubs, good right now, but how much longer will it be? Another five years when Rizzo and Bryant and these start aching? You know, and what are they going to do that? Are they going to trade everyone away? I don't like that business model. I don't want to be a fan of that business model for 50 years. Cardinals, sign me up. I like that. You have a few more minutes? Uh, we have a few more Absolutely, questions. Absolutely, man. I'm good. I'm having big fun with this, actually. Um, but you, you kind of, we're talking basically about big market, small market, and I know that you know, there's been parody. We've seen the Royals in the in the World Series and the Astros, even though they did pick up some big names and they did the whole teardown. And it seems like that's sort of what the new model is. So just give me your thoughts on uh, no action, really, this winter. We're still waiting for free agents. We're still waiting for trades. Um, it's a weird offseason, and it seems like this, this is a bubble. It feels like there's something brewing with uh, – I know a lot of these players are Scott Boris players, but – you mentioned the Cubs are going to have their own network. The Yankees got Stanton. They just basically just 
tore through and got Stanton. It, it's getting that sense of, uh-oh, we're getting to the point where there's going to be maybe eight teams that can really do this. And then the Oaklands and the obviously the Marlins and the Tampas are just – are just there to be fodders. They're like it's like WWF wrestling in the eighties, where like you know, ravishing Rick Rude would come out and just beat up somebody for three minutes, and then he'd be on to the next guy. So, just what's your thoughts on just kind of what's going on this off season, and and just that maybe the parody starting to go away? Yeah, a couple things. There are two things that stand out as to why this off season has been as slow as it is. Number one, it's the menu before the real menu. So this free agent class is nice. But it's not next year's free agent class. So the big market teams are looking at J.D. Martinez going, do we really want to spend $200 million on this guy? Because Scott Boris says that's how much he's worth. When maybe you know Bryce Harper's market will come down and we can get Bryce Harper next year for $300 million. So if you're going to go $200 million on J.D. Martinez, who's 30, 31, why not go after a 25-year-old Bryce Harper? Um, right. So then you have Kershaw opting out next year, more than likely the, the laundry list of guys is ridiculous compared to this one. So if you're going to be a big, big spender, maybe you just hold on to your cash and don't log jam open spots for a, a free agent class that could potentially be stars and stars for years to come. So that's number one. Next year's free agent class is much better, with bigger names and game changers, right? Number two, the collective bargaining agreement went the way of the owners. Uh, I've got sources within a big league club that I talked to that said, look, man, the CBA did not work well for the players. The owners were prepared for the luxury tax threshold to go well beyond $200 million. They were expecting it to go up 30 to $40 million. So we're thinking instead of $197 million without paying that tax, it would go up to $235, $240 million. They were prepared for the union to fight for that. It was never mentioned. It was never brought up in the negotiation. They couldn't believe it. They, they sprinted to the, uh, to the boardroom to sign the new collective bargaining agreement. They couldn't believe that happened. And therefore, you have teams that are, are saving money for next year's free agent class, and they're looking at the luxury tax going, why are we going to get, why are we going to go over the luxury tax for you, Darvish, and spend, we're going to get taxed for an extra 20 to $50 million because we signed you, Darvish? No way. We're just going to hold on to our money because that extra money, all those extra funds that you get taxed, next year will be well. We're willing to go over the luxury tax next year if we can get Bryce Harper, if we can get Clayton Kershaw. But we're not going to do that now. So the luxury tax is right where it was. It did not go up. And that's why you've seen you know, all of these extra outfielders taking forever to sign. I'm sorry, Jay Bruce, three years, $39 million. He's a better player than Mark Trumbo. Why did he get a Mark Trumbo contract? That's ridiculous to me. So it hurt everybody. The luxury tax, the new CBA not being changed uh, is going to hurt them for five more years. So those two things combined is why we have the slow offseason. That's interesting. I, by the way, going back to that Cardinal conversation, that was fun. I enjoyed that. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I thought about it as, you, as we were talking just a second ago. I don't know if you know Will Leach at all or well, but I, I kind of know him decently. And we've had the same conversation. And he yells at me the same way, even though he's a diehard guy. You get you guys out of this town and you don't have to listen to like Randy Carricker and Brad Thompson yelling about what they need to do every day. Then then you you, you kind of just you start to appreciate. You smell the flowers, I guess, once you leave the town. Well, listen, <laughs> Randy Carricker and Brad Thompson, friends of mine, I'm on the show every week. That's their job. Like if everything is rosy, that ends up not being great for their show. Right. Yes. So Rachel Maddow on MSNBC is having the best ratings she's ever had. It's not because overnight she became better on TV. It's because there is a large group of people that want to hear anti-Trump television. 
and she's doing it better than anybody, right? So anger makes people run to hear more. I need more of this. I, I, I'm so fired up right now. We only got Marcelo Zuna. We didn't get Stanton. Ah, like that's how Cardinal fans are. And, you know, look, man, you, you want people to have passion. And what I've noticed now covering all 30 clubs is there, there are just pockets of passion right? Hardcore baseball passion. There are fans everywhere. But to see such a large contingent of people who have a baseball IQ, the level of fans in St. Louis, it is remarkable. And the one team that you brought up that I think is a tremendous comparison, because it's not a major market, but it has the old cachet, has the championships, has its its own prestigious Hall of Fame. The Cardinals are the Green Bay Packers of Major League Baseball. And that's the truth. And there's something about going to Lambeau and there's something about going to St. Louis to watch a baseball game. No matter what the Packers record is, it's a sellout and it feels like a playoff game in the cold. No matter what the Cardinals record is, it's going to be jammed. Fans are going to be going to Cardinal Village, having many Budweiser's. It's part of the fabric of a city. And when a sports team does that, that's the model you want to follow. And it's so hard for other clubs to do that. And you're right, because I'm stepped, I've stepped outside of St. Louis and I get to see all of these fan bases, there are only a handful that can hang with St. Louis. It's just a unique culture that you get to enjoy every day and take for granted, Brad. Couple more. Do you have you have time? Five minutes more? I have two more, I think, here. All right. So you're on the set. You get to talk to Pedro Martinez, Al Leiter, John Smoltz. Give me a favorite story that one of those guys have told you. Maybe a Pedro. Do you have anything that you can share? There's, there's only there's one that stands out above everything else with Pedro Martinez. It was the it was the second show I ever did with him, and I think he's our version of Charles Barkley. You have no idea what he's about to say. Mike Trout hits a fastball out for a home run live on TV on our show. We're doing a live look in, and Pedro out of nowhere he goes, "I can't believe these pitchers keep throwing to his waggle." <laughs> And I'm like, whoa, 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 let's come on camera for a second. And that's the relationship we have with our director and producer. They just let us kind of sometimes call what we're going to do. So we break out of the celebration of Trout's home run. We come on camera. I go, Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez, you say things that I am just blown away by because you're so smart and your, your instincts are amazing. But what in the hell is a waggle? What are you talking about? He goes, his bat waggle. When I pitched, when a batter stepped up to the plate, their waggle as they got ready to cock the bat and get ready for me to pitch their waggle would show you where they want the ball. I, I go, wait a minute. That's impossible. No, I, I trust me. Wherever their barrel stops is where they want the ball. That's their favorite place to swing. And I'm like, that can't be true. Brad, we looked up Albert Pools. We looked up Robinson Cano. We looked up, you know, Adam Jones. We looked up all these guys that have these unique bat waggles. These very, you know, Mike Trout also, Bryce Harper. We freeze the barrel of their bat waggle. And then we do like a quadrant batting averages. You know, we show you the batting averages of each quadrant. It is the hot zone for every single guy. Think about that. Pedro Martinez had such a simple observation that everyone else and their kids get all these private coaching lessons and all this crap that ends up not being worth a damn. All he did was just stare at the guy that was trying to hit a home run off of him. 
and he would watch their bat waggle and go, oh, okay, I won't do it there. <laughs> it's so it's so obvious and basic and elementary that it's genius. Yep. It, it, sports is more about playing than it is thinking. I tell my daughter, she plays varsity basketball. She's a freshman in high school, and I'm so proud of her. And I go, Vanessa, remember, remember I'm going to go to the game today. I should get a game today. I want to watch you play. I don't want to watch you think. I want to watch you play. And if your tail's wagging, you're into the game. You're enjoying competing athletically. But if your brain turns on, you don't notice that the opponent is showing you with his bat exactly where he wants you to throw the ball. Pedro Martinez noticed that because there was no place that he had more fun than on a pitching mound. It was no stress. It was it was nothing but joy. And that was, to me, my favorite Pedro story. Yeah, and we had the similar thing because as a producer of Fox Sports Midwest stuff, you'd sit in a room with a Cal Eldred who, you know, this guy is a, now he's a pitching coach with the Royals, but he just saw things and it was exactly right. Uh, you know, Jim Edmonds. I mean, how cool was it to sit there and just listen to Edmonds talk about someone positioning? But that brings me to this last one of my last questions. Do players ever get angry? And the reason I think of this one is Edmonds always told the story. I've always heard the story. Maybe Dan Patrick told it that uh, Ken Griffey Jr. used to call Dan Patrick and say, "What? Why are you showing all these Jim Edmonds highlights? I, I, I'm doing this every night. So how often?" Do you hear from players? I mean, not, not just you, but your bosses. And they're like, hey, stop talking about me. I, you know, I'm hurt or whatever. No, uh, it's yeah, I, uh, I don't understand why, but there are some players who really care about what I think. And it's, <laughs> it blows me away. Uh, I, long story, we really won't get into why, but it was because of just, you know, uh, interactions back and forth throughout the year. Did I lose you? A little closer, a little closer. Wherever you were just 10 seconds ago. I don't know. Uh, okay. Right there. Can you hear me? All right, good. So uh, Jason Worth and I do not see eye to eye. <laughs> and I come from a place where because I'm in the media, that doesn't mean that I committed a felony or broke into your house and stole your TV and, you know, uh, threatened a relative. I'm not a, I'm not a bad guy because I'm, I'm on television, right? And you're a public figure if you play Major League Baseball. My job is to talk about public figures. And I, this also goes back to me giving my opinion in an industry that most people that have my job don't give their opinion. But I, like you called me a fan on TV. I just try to represent the fans. I just try to say what a fan at home would think. And sometimes fans don't want to hear it, and they get pissed off too, and that's totally fine. By all means, I I am not running for office. I am not looking for your vote. Listen, I just want you to watch. TV, you just made right? this Cardinal fan mad, just telling me that I need to calm down. See, now I'm mad at you. There you go, and that's fine. <laughs> the chances are that's going to be like, hey, this guy Amsinger totally gets under my skin. I gotta watch him, all the time, right? <laughs> You're my Rachel so, Maddow. <laughs> right, right, right. That's what I've become in your life. So he did not like me, and to be honest with you, the way. He, how grumpy he played the game. I don't like him either. And I'm okay saying that. I, I, I don't play by the same journalistic rules. Don't make yourself part of the story. No, I, I love the game of baseball. This guy has a $120 million contract and he's running around with a frown on his face, always looking pissed off. And there's no joy whatsoever in the guy. And he's anti media. He makes fun of broadcasters. I don't, I don't need to kiss his ass. <laughs> 
We lost you again, Greg. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, right there. Don't don't stay out of the bathtub. <laughs> I, I'm not going to see the bathroom anymore. Uh, I I went for a stretch where I didn't say his name. I just called him the bearded one. So I didn't say anything rude about him. I just called him the bearded one. <laughs> Every time he did anything, it was the bearded one. And Mark DeRosa came in my office once. and He goes, I got to be honest with you, Greg. Jason Worth wants to hurt you. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fine, man. I'm like, that's totally cool. He's, you don't understand. He, he, he wants to hurt you. I'm like, Mark, if he, if he ever hits me, I'm going to lay down and act like I can't feel my hair. I'm not going to fight back. And my guy's worth $120 million. I don't condone violence. I don't want to fight anybody. It's ridiculous that people get this upset. But it is what it is. You can't control it. People are going to take your your criticism and they're going to think it's a personal attack on who they are as a human being. And that's not where I come from. I'm not trying to be mean to anyone. But just because I'm a broadcaster doesn't give you the right to be mean to me. So it goes both ways. And I kind of I kind of lead by that approach. Just, you know, I don't have stars in my eyes. All these people are people. Uh, we're all public figures, including me. You have the right to, uh, you know, put up a blog talking about how this interview is one of the worst experiences you ever had. And Greg Amsinger is a total jerk. You have the right to do that. I'm a public figure. You can come at me all you want. I just wish people understood these are the rules that we're playing by. Well, it's definitely a top 20 interview, I'd say, uh, compared to the ones I've done before. Just kidding. I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of this, and that's why I've kept you on so long. I really appreciate you, you hanging out, and, I, and I, I did. I, I enjoyed this a lot. So my last question, since we're way over time here. I don't know if there was a time limit, but anyway. What is, so what are your, where are your goals? Like what, uh, it's a hard question. I, I don't, I, if someone asked me, I don't know what I'd do in five years, but what do you what do you want to do? Is there anything that you want to do different? Do you want to stay on that set for the next thirty years? Do you? And even a friend of mine said, "Well, ask him if he wants to. Ask him if he wants to come back to St. Louis and, and work here." So I figured I'll throw. Do you want to be a Channel Four and maybe do the sports <laughs> on Channel Four? But seriously, tell me a little bit about what uh, what goals you have, and and and, and honestly, because it is. You know, it is something where guys that who used to be here really do want to come back at the end of their career. Just tell me a little bit about what you want to do uh, towards the end here as you uh, probably still have, what, 40, 50 years left in that career. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm 38 years old now. I think I have the best job in the world. Uh, it's, you know, I, the one thing that I love more than baseball is live television. I love the energy of it. I love how hard it can be. And I love trying to make it look easy. And there is no format, forget baseball, there's no format that I could ever find that's like MLB tonight. Um, partly because I think I'm really lazy, so I don't want to show up to work and write a bunch of scripts. Like I would, I would lose my mind if I had to do that. That would kill me. I would, I would be so bored doing that. I love coming in, have a meeting, think, let's like get creative, come up with ideas for the show, sit around and watch the games with my buddies, and let's go out and talk about it. Let's go talk. Let's do play-by-play on a whim in this one game, and then we'll go to this game. It fits my personality. And I also am an obsessive golfer, Brad, so not having to be at work until 7 p.m. Eastern really does enable me to go play a lot of golf. And as I say that, it leads to, so I, I, I see myself at MLB Network for a very long time. But at some point, I do look at my, in my 50s, 60s, and going, you know, I do want an experience. I am a fan. I like to root. And here at MLB Network, people think I root for the Cardinals on, on this network. That is factually inaccurate. I do not do that. My buddies, Dan Plesak, Harold Reynolds, Pedro Martinez, 
on television will go, I bet you like that home run for Matt Carpenter. And I'm like, grinding my teeth, like, what in the world are you talking about? I'm like, hear me say, I don't know what you're talking about. I love all 30 clubs equally as a joke, right? And at some point, I would love to be a fan of a team and just do that. And I see down the road as in, as almost like a retirement gig for my wife and I to travel, see the country, doing play-by-play for a Major League Baseball team. I don't know because, you know, the one thing that I understand about television is you can't just say, hey, I want to be the play-by-play guy of the Cardinals, and everyone's got contracts. So you could have a play-by-play guy when I'm 60 years old who's year two in a seven-year deal. It just doesn't work. But the way I look at it is I love the game. I'd love to be around one team in my mid fifties to the end of my broadcasting career and go to the ballpark and do, you know, around a hundred games. I think that'd be a blast. Does that mean it's definitely the Cardinals? No, it could be the Diamondbacks. It could be the San Francisco Giants. It probably won't be the Cubs because (laughs) Cub fans can't stand me because so many of my buddies have said I'm from St. Louis and I love the Cardinals, but I love I love the game of baseball, and if the right opportunity came up to do that, that's how I see my broadcasting career ending. I, I think that's that's a beautiful thing. I don't really want to leave baseball. Um, you know, I've had people come up to me and bring up the idea of like the Today Show or doing anything in entertainment. The money is so good, and I wish all of those guys the best. I want to do that. Not interested at all. I, I could never look into the eyes of Al Roker and look back into the camera and go, when we come back, Al and I are going to talk about the best 4th of July hot dogs for your barbecue. <laughs> but first, this is today on NBC. I can't ever envision myself doing that. So I love the game of baseball. I don't ever want to leave it. Um, you know, going to Cooperstown every summer is something that my son and I are going to enjoy doing um, as I age. So I love this sport. Could I, could I do Fox NFL Sunday in five to ten years down the road? I wouldn't rule something like that out, but baseball will always be my bread and butter. Well, it's just, like I said, this is way longer than I had told you it'd be, and I hope you enjoyed it because I really did. And um, I don't know if I said this, but you you were very nice to me about actually wanting to listen to some of these before you came on, and you enjoyed it. And I, I really do. I had a really good time with this, and I'm, I think we're going to have to do this again. I really do. Yeah. It was awesome. I listened to your Joe Buck interview and I thought it was tremendous. And I know you have a relationship with him that goes back, but you're really good at this, man. I'm telling you, there are people that know how to interview and there are people that try to know how to interview. You're not trying. Maybe you were earlier, but I've listened to a couple of these. You're good, man. Just keep doing it. All right, Brad? I appreciate it. I'm going to, I'm going to see what happens. You know, like you said, it's, in your 60s, maybe that's my retirement job. I start doing uh, the same thing. I do like an undeniable show or something. I don't know. Or maybe you'll just replace me at ML- on MLB Tonight. So I'll be doing some play-by-play and we'll work that out. It is fun. That no, sounds great. No, but here's what's funny about that. I kind of don't want to have to watch every game every night. I like flipping in in the third <laughs> inning and then maybe turning on the Golden Girls, see what's going on with Ruth, Blanche, and all those girls. But uh, no, I really I really enjoyed this. Thanks a lot, Greg. And uh, we'll keep in touch, and hopefully we'll do this again sometime soon. So that was my and chat really, with MLB Network. Really not Greg Amsinger. I just think I it's just awesome him, what you do. Uh, uh, I, I don't really enjoy I don't know what else to say. Lot, I think you just do an awesome job, um, and I love MLB Network. Good guy, big fan. obviously. Awesome. St. Louis guy. Dude, awesome. And, uh, I appreciate it. Now I'm a big fan of yours, too, Brad. We got that cost studio host and all of television uh i love mlb network so i it's what i know but uh definitely uh enjoy his work on mlb network and really appreciate his time and it was some fun cardinal conversation as well and uh lastly before we go once again if you don't mind please do me a big favor 
go to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel, ST Weekly. You can just go to YouTube and search S-T-W-E-E-K-L-Y, or you can go to youtube.com slash ST Weekly and you'll find it. Just need a subscriber, just need a little help there. Uh, if I don't get to a thousand, there's going to be something, uh, I guess bad happened to my account and I might lose all those videos and hopefully people enjoy looking at some of that stuff. I put these podcasts up as well. So please subscribe, uh, on my YouTube channel, leave a nice comment here, uh, in iTunes, if that's where you listen to this podcast and go visit masses restaurants. If you're in St. Louis, there's five locations, stlmasses.com. That's where you can find those locations. You can find the menus. I've told you before, you're going to have a great time there. You're going to love your food. You're going to enjoy your night. It could be a date, a special date night. It could be a big group, rehearsal dinner. I got one of those probably having to come up here sooner or later. Um, Great food, all kinds of food, big menus, great portions, great people. Masses Restaurants, they are the sponsor of Baseball and Beyond, and they're my favorite restaurant in all of St. Louis. That's going to do it for this show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. More coming soon. Keep looking at your iTunes podcast because I'm going to keep plugging them in there. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.